I knew you were going to do it. Amen. Amen. Let's get those pre-K through second grade. You're dismissed. Get the kids a hand as they go. Give them a hand, church. Come on. That was like a weird place to stop, too, wasn't it? That was, that was terrible. All right. Take your Bible and turn with me to Psalm 139. I am in such a good mood today. I bet you can't even guess why. And finally, one. I don't need you in my life. I've got to know. Yes, I do. Amen. You wait till Saturday. No, I'm just kidding. That's not. Uh, that's uh, Psalm 139. I'm, seriously, I'm excited. I'm wearing my orange tie. I've got another tie that I actually, some sweet people gave me. It's a Tennessee tie. I like it better than this one, but this one has more orange. Amen. So I had to wear my mostest orange tie this morning. Where it, were, it was in the back of the closet because I hadn't worn it in a few weeks. So it was back there, and I got it. Um, you know, it's fall break over in Chester County Schools. Fall break. Uh, give fall break a hand, church. Come on. Uh, some of you are excited to come on. Let's be serious. And so fall break is upon us. And uh, yesterday, just through social media, there were somewhere between 35 to 50 Grace Baptist Church members at Neyland Stadium yesterday. Amen. We could have had us a big small group right there in, in Knoxville. Uh, and I, I'm not saying that that's the reason why we won the football, but I'm pretty sure that's why we won the game. It's because Grace Baptist was there and represented. All right, so for all of you who could care less about football, Psalm 139, we're going to move on. We're going to be looking at this prayer this morning that David prayed when he was attacked by his enemies, right? And basically they're saying uh, that David uh, didn't have the right motives, right? These people were enemies of God, and they were saying that the things that David was doing, he had the wrong motives. Now, has anybody ever thought that maybe you had the wrong motives for doing something uh, in your life? If you haven't, it means you've never done anything, right? Many times people will question your motives, why you do something, or why you don't do something. It happens all the time. And so this is actually David's prayer. He didn't go and say, no, 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 God, no, no, I, you know, I'm right and you're wrong. What he did was he went to the Lord in prayer, which we should too. So look at Psalm 139, and I'm going to start in verse number 23. Psalm 139, verse 23 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, church, I'm going to want you to say that verse with me, but I want you to do more than recite it. For I want you to kind of take a second, breathe in, breathe out, and I want you to pray this verse out loud. Okay? I want this to be your prayer and my prayer this morning. So let's pray it together out loud on the count of three. One, two, three. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, in order to digest this this morning, it's going to be real simple. We're just going to walk through David's prayer one step at a time. Number one, what's the first thing David is asking here? He's saying, God, number one, write this down. He is saying, examine my heart examine my heart. He's like, God, look at my heart. Look at my intentions. Show me what's there. Matter of fact, and look at verse 23. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Now, some of you, maybe you think like I do sometimes, and maybe you think, doesn't God know everything? God already knows what's in my heart, so why should I ask God to examine my heart? He already knows. And then some of you, you maybe think, well, why would I ask God what's in my heart? He already knows. He knows I'm a good person. 
right? He knows I have a good heart. So why would I ask that? Now, that's actually a mistake when we think that we have a good heart. Matter of fact, look in your notes at Jeremiah 17, verse 9. We learned without Christ, none of us have a good heart. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. I mean, not just like bad, not just like kind of bad, desperately wicked. Who can know it? We need to understand that apart from Christ, none of us, none of us have a good heart. We deceive others. We deceive ourselves. We ask this question all the time, but raise your hand. Look, how many of you have ever told a lie before? I'll them up. Up, 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 up. I'm looking for the liars. <laughs> looking for, you know, the, the ones that didn't raise their hand, right? I'm looking for all the liars. We don't just, listen, we don't just lie to others. We lie to ourselves. I believe that some of the worst lies are lies that we tell ourselves. Often we try to convince ourselves that the bad things we do are okay, that the wrong things are actually fine. You know, it's like a lady, I don't gossip. I don't gossip. I just tell everybody what she's doing so they can pray for her. (laughs) Actually, if you ever start a sentence out like, you know, I don't gossip, you probably do. Amen. Or, and we do this, I've done this. I am so guilty of this. I'm confessing it right now. Examine my heart, Lord. I've said this before. Listen, this ain't gossip. I just want you to know. Have you ever said that? I'm not gossiping. I just think you ought to know. She's a heifer. Amen. (laughs) I've never said that to any of you. Listen, the heart is deceitful above all things and we need a really honest prayer and ask God to examine our hearts and show us our intentions show us our motives now again some of you won't pray this prayer because you know God's not going to say what an amazing heart I hit a home run when I made you you're so perfect and your heart is so good you know if you pray a prayer like this God examine my heart show me who I am show me my motives my intentions show me uh, who I really am you know that God may answer and basically show you that you're being fake god might say you're not being real you're kind of pretending maybe you're pretending to be a christian maybe you're pretending to be a good christian and you're not maybe you're a student and you're one person at school you're another person at home you're a different person with your party friends right you're so many different people you don't even know who you are anymore maybe some of you men you're one guy at the shop and then you're a different guy at home with your wife. And then you're a third guy when you're with your mama. Because she won't put up with that. Right? You're faking it. You're pretending. When you pray, examine my heart, it's because God, we need God to show us things that are not right, that are not pure. But this kind of prayer, being self-aware, helps us to be closer to God. Examine my heart. Number two, write this down. Also, examine my fears. Examine my fears. Look at verse 23 again. It says, search me, O God, know my heart, try me, and know my anxieties. Now, I would ask you to raise all the people in here that have anxieties. I'd ask you to raise your hand, but it would be all of you. A lot of times we don't think we do. We won't acknowledge it. We kind of gloss over them. And again, I'm not talking, when I talk about your fears, I'm not talking about like, you know, walking into a dark house. Snakes and spiders and those, you know, I hate them. Anybody else hate snakes and spiders? Amen. But some of you... Lost people love cats. What's wrong with you? Listen, I'm just kidding. I'm sure your cat's great. Not even a little. Listen, and we're not talking about things. I'm not afraid of your cat. I just hate it like the devil. Amen. We're not talking about external things that you're afraid of. 
right? Like, again, who, I've done this before. Have you ever checked behind the shower curtain when you got home? Right? Yeah, you come in, and you go through the house, you cut the lights on, you get back there, and you check behind the, the shower. There's nobody ever there. There's probably never been anybody there in the history of the world. But you check every single time. And I've done it, and I'm just going to warn you right now, if you ever want to scare me, the one place I suggest that you should avoid is behind my shower curtain. Because that's the one place I'm always expecting somebody to be. And I will shoot you. Okay? Because that's where I think it's going down. You might need to catch me on the hallway to the bathroom. I don't know. Right? What is it? Movies? They make us think somebody's in the shower, behind the shower curtain. Listen, those aren't the things that we're talking about. Those aren't the anxieties. We're talking about the internal fears, internal anxieties, right? We're afraid of losing a job. Maybe you're afraid um, that you won't get married by a certain age. Maybe you're afraid that certain things in your relationships won't happen. Maybe you're afraid of being stuck in a bad marriage and never getting better. Maybe you're afraid of the future. You're afraid of the unknown. You're afraid of failing. You're afraid of succeeding, right? You're afraid of losing. You're afraid of winning right what if what if I love somebody and I lose them right what if something bad happens what if what if these fears and anxieties and David here is saying God show me my anxieties know my anxieties and show me my fears now I heard a pastor say this one time and it stuck with me and I've shared this with you before there's a reason why this is important look at this next slide what you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least there's really something to that. Basically speaking, where you have the most fear and the most anxiety in life, internally speaking, that's probably the place where you're leaning on God the least. You're trusting God the least. Because if you're really leaning on Him, you wouldn't have that fear and that anxiety. Does that make sense? Think about it. What we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. If I'm scared to death that my marriage isn't going to work out, it probably means I'm not trusting God with my marriage. If I'm afraid every month that I'm not going to be able to pay my bills at the end of the month and have this overwhelming fear and anxiety, it probably means I'm not trusting God with my finances. What you fear the most reveals really where you're trusting God the least. And I've prayed this prayer before, and I've heard other men say, and I've shared this with you guys before, one of the things that creeps in in my life, one of the anxieties anxieties and fears in my life is I'm always afraid that I'm not good enough, that I'm not going to be. I'm afraid of failing. I want to win, right? I want to win. And what I mean is I'm afraid of failing. God has called me to pastor Grace Baptist Church. That's crazy talk, right? And so I'm always afraid that I'm going to let you guys down that you're going to come here on a Sunday morning, the preacher isn't prayed up, he's not prepared, the words stop working, and that this is a waste of your time. I don't want to let you down. I don't want to let the church down. I don't want to, I don't want to let my family down. I don't want to let uh, Alicia baby down and get in the car and go home. She tells me how bad I did. Amen. I don't want, I want to win. I don't want to fail. I don't want to let you guys down. But really on a deeper level than that, uh, beyond I don't want to let you down is the fact I don't want to let God down. God has called me into the ministry. And I sometimes I think, did you really know what you're doing when you called me into the ministry? And so, and God has called me to be the pastor of Grace Baptist Church. And many times I don't feel good enough. I don't feel like I'm smart enough. I'm not, somebody comes for counseling, and I don't have the answers. I feel like I'm supposed to have the answers. I'm not wise enough, good enough, smart enough. And I have this uh, fear that I'm just not going to measure up. I'm not just not righteous enough. I'm not good enough, whatever it is, to somehow deserve to be your pastor. Now, that's not often. Every once in a while, that'll kind of creep in on the radar. What do I do when that happens? I give it to God. 
He called me. He's going to sustain me. He's the one that's put me here. I haven't put myself here. And so I have to lean in and trust him. How do we do that? We exchange fear for faith. Look at Hebrews 11 verse 6. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. How can I please God living in fear? Scripture tells us it's only by faith that we can please him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I have to, look at this next slide. I have to decide that I love pleasing God more than I'm afraid of failing. That I love God more than I fear failing. What could you put in that sentence? What, where is it in your life you have to go, you know what, I've got to love pleasing God more than I'm afraid of my finances being bad. I have to love pleasing God more than I'm afraid of being alone for the rest of my life. I have to love pleasing God more than I'm afraid of what people will think of me if I ever really sell out about this Jesus thing. Right? I have to love pleasing God more than what? What is it in your life? That's causing you to be anxious and to have these fears. Give it to God. Hand it to him. Uh, he can take it. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When you pray and you say, God, examine my fears. God's going to reveal things to you about yourself that maybe you haven't been willing to acknowledge. And he's going to bring that to the front so that you can deal with it and have the victory over that in your life so that you can live by faith and not by fear. Number three, write this down. Third thing David asked, he said, God, reveal my sins to me. God, reveal to me my sins. This is what David prays, Psalm 139, verse 24. He says, and see if there's any wicked way in me. If. Church, let me share something with you. Uh, You know, if. There's no if. Right? See if there's any wicked way in me. Uh, We all fall short of the glory of God. He's saying, God, show me anything in my life that's inconsistent with your truth. Show me anywhere where I'm displeasing you. Have you ever noticed just how easy it is to spot the sin in somebody else's life and not yours? I'm good at it. I call it Facebook. <laughs> Alicia. I just like it. I have to put it up, right? And we can spot the sin in somebody else's life. See, those people just haven't learned how to fake it as good as us. Amen? I can spot the sin in somebody else's life easy. But what I do for me is I make excuses. Well, see, because God knows my heart. He knows that I'm a good person. He knows, you know what, I'm trying to do good. And he knows that well, this is just a thing. I kind of fall back on this thing. And I know it's wrong, but, but you know, I, I'm a good person. You know, God knows, right, that I'm struggling and he loves me anyway. But let somebody else struggle with that same issue. And we go, Jezebel, look at her. She's such a hypocrite. She's supposed to be a Christian and love Jesus. And she's acting like that. And she's talking like that. Who does she think she is? Well, she's you just inside out. We all fall short of the glory of God. And God will show us some things. Look at this next slide. Is that the next slide? There we go. We accuse others while we excuse ourselves. We we accuse other people, but we have all the excuses in the world for our sin. Look again at verse 24 and see if there is any wicked way in me. If you ask God, God, are there any wicked ways in me? And you spend time in prayer, praying a prayer like that, he will show you exactly what you need to be working on. God will point out some things that you've been trying to explain away for a long time. 
God will point out some things that you've been trying to deny. But you need to submit yourself to the word of God and the God of the word and repent of your sins and he'll give you victory over it. You need to give it to him. Let it go. Move on. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. I don't have to, I love the just part, right? Often we think that when we get forgiven of sin, that somehow we're getting away with something, right? Like a get out of jail free pass, a, you know, um, play a monopoly, whatever. We think that somehow we're getting away with something. We're not getting away with anything. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. And that's what makes him both just and the justifier. It says he is faithful and just. He has earned that forgiveness for your sins. And how shameful is it for believers who have trusted Christ for salvation, God saved me, redeemed me, made me new, and are redeemed people of God, but yet now they walk in sin and refuse to come back to the same God to clean up their heart and clean up their life when he has earned that forgiveness and that clean conscience for them. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You do business with God and God will do business with you. And what does all this do? Every step of this prayer, all it does is examine my heart, show me my fears, right? Uh, God, uh, help me, my anxieties, it reveal who I really am. All that does is constantly point you to Jesus and who he is. And how dependent you need to be upon him and to his grace. It points me to knowing that my identity is in him. Not whether or not I perform to some artificial standard I've created for myself as a pastor or as a preacher or as a leader or as a Christian or as a husband or as a daddy. It's him. My identity is in him. What our need does, it always points us to the area where we have to call on him uh, to help us. Now, David, at the very end, number four, write this down. What did he pray at the end? He said, Lord, guide my steps. Give me direction. Help me. Guide my steps. Look at verse number 24. It says, and see if, uh, if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That when you examine your heart and God sh you know, shows you your fears and your sins, now you're asking God to take control and to lead you in the way that you should go. This kind of prayer, again, just points us with laser-like focus on our need for Christ. Because the greatest need for Christians, for the church in America in 2019, is to recognize that we're dependent upon Him and not ourselves. Because we all think it's about us. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. And we lose our focus. You think that if you're going to be good, that it's you being good instead of Christ shining through you. You think that if something's going to happen positive in your life, it's a net result of something that you've earned when you've not earned anything. It's all by the grace of God. And we lose the fact that we need to be controlled by and submitted to the Holy Spirit of God for direction in our everyday life. Jesus didn't just save us for eternity. He saved us for today. But we lose that. This kind of prayer points us to our need for uh, Jesus' help and for his power, for his strength, for his mercy, for his grace, and for his cleansing every single day. To help us to live for an audience of one and one only. Who shows us who we are in Christ and that our security is in him and in him alone. It's not in our performance. And when you pray this prayer, it's going to show you your need. It's going to point you to Christ. And that Christ can meet your needs and change your life, conform you to his image. It, can, it sounds kind of simple and just these four easy steps and this couple of verses. But if you were to pray these verses sincerely and truly, it would radically change your life and your walk with God. 
Matter of fact, look at him again. Psalm 139, verse 23. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Will you pray that with me? Out loud one more time. And this time really mean it. With all of your heart. Is this your prayer this morning? Let's pray this together on count of three. One, two, three. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Did you mean it? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would work in this place, in our lives. God, I thank you, uh, Lord, that there's some people here this morning. This is going to become such an important message in their life, such an important passage of Scripture in their life, that you're going to radically change their life forever. Lord, that if they start to pray to you and seek you, that you're going to show them something in their life, God, and they're going to be conformed to the image of Christ. God, you're going to lead them in a way that takes them out of bondage to sin and to self and brings them into the life that you have uh, called them to. Lord, we thank you that they'll have the courage to ask you for help and recognize, God, that it's not us, it's not our strength, it's you. And God, we thank you as we have the courage to pray. God, search us, search our hearts, examine our hearts, show us who we really are. God, that as you show us, that we can find the remedy in you. Listen, guys, every head bowed, every eye closed. For those of you that you know that you're saved this morning, the Holy Spirit of God confirms in your heart you are a child of the King. You're saved. You know that you're saved. And what I'm going to ask you today, we always do these application-type prayers for the believers at the end of the message. And this morning, what I'm going to ask you to do is this. Simply commit. Commit with me to pray this prayer for the rest of the week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That you'll take these two verses and commit to pray them every day. That if you already have a prayer time, and I hope that you do, but if you already have a prayer time, you're going to take these two verses and you're going to add them to your prayer time with God. That if you don't have a quiet time, if you don't have a prayer time, that you're going to start one this week. That tomorrow morning when you wake up, you're not going to grab your phone and look at Instagram or Facebook. That you're going to pull this scripture up. You're going to have this passage of scripture ready for you first thing in the morning. Whether it's on your Bible app or you, maybe you need to write these verses down on a little card and take it everywhere with you. But you're going to have this verse so that you can pray it and talk to your God. Not just recite it. You know, not just search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. But pray this verse slowly and sincerely, step by step, speaking to God and allowing your God room to speak into your life. But take your time and be sincere. All of you here this morning, that that's, that's your desire. You want to commit together with me? And you say, yeah, Brother Marcus, you know what? I'm going to pray these verses. These two verses, I'm going to pray these verses for the remainder of the week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Are you committing to do that this morning? Slip your hand up. All over, all over, all over, all over. Father God, I just ask over the next few days that 
uh, for those who maybe they don't really have a, a set time with you, that this would be the beginning of an intimate, personal time of their this phase of their walk with you, of putting you first. God, that we'll submit our hearts to you, recognizing that we're sinners, deceitful, and recognizing, God, that through Christ you can change us. Lord, we surrender ourselves to you. We give you permission to examine us, to test us, to reveal to us our anxieties and our fears. Lord, to uncover our sins that you see anyway. Show us, Lord, anything that's offensive or unrighteous in our lives. And God, we ask you to lead us. Lead us in the way everlasting. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. You keep praying for just a moment. There are those of you that are here this morning and you don't know that you know. You don't know for sure that you're saved. The Holy Spirit doesn't confirm in your spirit that you're a child of God. And you have some anxieties about that. You've got some fears about that. You don't know whether or not you're a child of the King. You don't really know that you've been saved or forgiven. And you recognize that you do wrong things that are displeasing to God. And maybe somehow you've justified that. And you kind of think, my good is going to outweigh my bad. God has a perfect, righteous standard. And we all fall short of that standard. The fact that you know that you're a sinner reveals your need for a Savior. In fact, you have to know that you're a sinner first before you can receive Christ as a Savior. Do you recognize that? That sometimes you do things that are displeasing to God? That you break promises? You break them to yourself, much less to other people and promises you've made to God? Look up for just a moment. See, the amazing thing is, is even though the Bible teaches us that our hearts are so deceitful and so wicked that God loved us so much that he came born of a virgin. Why? See, you're a sinner by nature and by choice. In other words, you're born a sinner, okay? You have a sin nature, but then also you choose sin, right? Every time you've ever sinned, you chose sin, and your sin separates you from God. And there was nothing that you could do to bridge that gulf. Perfect, right? Righteous, holy, and you're over here less than perfect, unrighteous, and you know that you're not holy. And so Jesus came, born of a virgin, without a sin nature, lived a perfect, sinless life, never sinned, man, where you gave in, where you were tempted, and you said yes, he was tempted and said no. Never sinned. And that's why he could go to the cross and die that perfect sacrifice for your sins, because that's what was necessary. The death, burial, and resurrection. Matter of fact, look at this verse. In your notes, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. What does that mean? He died for us. See, he knew that you were going to do wrong. He knew how rotten you could be in your worst moments. He knew the sin that was in your heart and in your life. And he came anyway and died for you. When he lived his life on this earth, he spent time with the very ones that society said were the worst. He spent time with men and women who were sinners and were far from God. And he loved them so much that he died even for them. It says Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. 
He rose again. That means that anybody, man, anybody, anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anybody who turns from their sins and turns to Jesus and puts their faith in that death, burial, and resurrection will be saved, man, forever because he paid the price so that you wouldn't have to. Some people have a difficulty believing in God. and they, I just can't believe in a God that sends anybody to hell. He's never sent anybody to hell. If you die after this morning and you go to a place called hell, it's going to be because you chose it by rejecting Christ. Many people in this life, they say no to God. No, no, no. Right? And he's saying yes. He said yes to you when he went to Calvary and died on the cross. He's saying yes, yes, yes. And you're saying no, no, no. Someday, if you die apart from Christ, God's going to put his no with your no. And you're going to spend an eternity separated from him. It's what you wanted here. And you're going to get it times a million in eternity. But you don't have to do that. See, our holy, righteous judge sent his son to be the sacrifice for our sins. But it only counts if you trust him. It only counts if you make it personal. If I had a gift for you right now, if I had a gift and I wanted to give it to you, what would you have to do to take this gift? You'd have to take it. Could you pay for it? And that makes it not a gift. I hear I've got a gift for you. Well, let me give you $20. No, it's not a gift. I want to give you a gift. Well, I don't feel like I've earned it. I know, no, you don't earn a gift. You get a gift. You receive a gift. Same thing with Jesus. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't somehow uh, be worthy of the gift. You receive the gift and you take it like a gift. That's the only way that you could ever be saved, redeemed and forgiven. Have you received that gift? Have you trusted him to save you? Have you come to that point in your life? I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Don't wait. Let's pray one more time. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Listen, you're here, man. You know, and God knows that this is why you're here. This is the moment that God has called you here for. This is the message that you needed to hear. You needed to hear that you were a sinner and that God loves you. That he sent his son to die for you. That if you'll just trust him, his death, burial, and resurrection, he'll save you and forgive you for your sins. There's some of you here this morning, forgiveness is the one thing you desperately need. And you're having a heart that you can't forgive yourself. So you can't imagine how God can forgive you. I'm here to tell you, based on the word of God, you trust Christ, you turn from your sin, put your faith in that death, burial, and resurrection. What Christ has done for you, he will save you forever and he'll forgive you every head bowed every eye closed you're here this morning that's your prayer Jesus save me I need Jesus I'm not going to embarrass you I will not call you forward I will not single you out that's not what we do here but what I want is the privilege and the opportunity of praying with you and a way of you kind of stepping out in faith and saying I'm trusting Jesus so if you're here this morning and right now, you know God has you here for this moment and you need to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, why don't you slip your hand up right now? I'm just going to pray with you. Slip your hand up. God bless you. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. In the back. Go put your hands down. Listen, right now in this moment, it's as simple as this, guys. It's almost too good to be true. If you'll just humble yourself and admit your need for a Savior and trust Christ, He'll save you. Why don't you pray a prayer like this? It's not these words, but it's you humbling yourself before God and simply come to him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I sin. Father, I sin so much. 
Lord, I do things and I do them on purpose. But God, I turn from my sin and I'm turning to Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Tell him, say, Lord, on your death, burial, and resurrection, all of me, I surrender to all of you. Save me, Jesus. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, you're sincere and honest with God, and you just turned to Christ to save you, he saved you. You just received the Holy Spirit of God. You've got resurrection power in your life, and you are forgiven. You've been made brand new. I want to encourage you to make that decision public here in just a moment. But maybe you're here this morning and you've prayed that prayer at some other point. You've done business with God at some other time, but you've not stepped out in that step of faith to make it public. What is the first thing that God calls believers to do? The first thing is to be obedient through baptism. Baptism, it doesn't save you. Trust in Christ, what you just did, some of you. That's what saves you. But when we come and we follow through in baptism, it's a step of obedience and public profession. And so do you need to come this morning to be baptized we'll schedule that time for you we'll pray with you rejoice with you maybe you're here this morning and you recognize your baptisms on the wrong side of your salvation we get saved and then we get baptized that's the order maybe you need to get that straight it's a step of obedience maybe you're here this morning and grace baptist church is your church home you know that grace baptist church is your church home and it's time for you to make it official to put on the jersey and be a part of the team has God called you to be an official part of the Grace Baptist family? You come this morning. We'll pray with you and rejoice with you over that. But whatever it is this morning, I want to encourage you to do business with God. If he's speaking to you about sin in your life, your need for a Savior, right? whatever it is you need to be baptized, whatever it is, use this invitation right here this morning for your good and for the glory of God. Father God, we surrender this invitation to you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. You come. Come on, don't wait. Stand with me. Just as I am without.